Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is from the Old Testament from the book of Job, and it's found in Job chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. Job says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Here Job is confessing that he's believing in a resurrection body. He believes that even after he dies, that he will be resurrected in a new body, and he will be in the presence of God. And his eyes shall behold, and will see him, and how his heart yearns to be in the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's a good testimony for each of us to remember that it doesn't matter whatever happens here on earth. It doesn't matter what trials or tribulation or what suffering or what disappointments that we face here on earth. We know that those of us who are believers will be in God's presence and have a new body throughout eternity. And what a blessing that'll be in the presence of God himself. I trust that each and every one of us would yearn to come into his presence each day as we read the word of God and as we pray and as we commune with God that we can have heaven here on earth as we have fellowship with him each day. Today, at the Canadian National Bible Hour, I have Tammy Campbell, who started a ministry in Sierra Leone, West Africa, called the Treehouse Girls. Tammy, tell us a little bit how the Treehouse Project started. Sure. My husband and I traveled to Sierra Leone, West Africa, um, had many occasion to work with young ladies 
in the big city realized that they were working in the homes of people as servants. And I became inquisitive about this, and I found that their villages were pretty far away, some of them about seven hours from where they were working. I thought that it was a difficult life for these girls, far away from their parents and their siblings, and really working continually just for food and they weren't able to go to school. So I just started by thinking about these things that I was seeing. Tammy, do you think these girls in every situation were there voluntarily? At that time, I thought they were. I mean, I realized they're very young. Most of them were around 13, 14 years old, so they were there to help their family. The people, the adults that I spoke to said that it was a great help to the families that were in the villages. They, they had no opportunity for income. They were starving to death, so their girls were living with distant relatives or friends in the city, and they were able to sell food or drink cans of soda or baggies of water um, in the big city, and they were able to supplement their family's income. So I didn't know quite what to think about it in the beginning. So why weren't these girls in schools? Well, they definitely had no opportunity to go to school because they needed to be working at all daylight hours they were working. Did you find this typical that the girls were always the ones that were targeted uh, to be in these work assignments instead of boys? I saw mostly girls doing these things. So it seemed like they had opportunity. What drew you to feel that they needed some special attention? Well, I did realize that um, they were filled with sorrow. They weren't permitted to spend much time talking to me because they were frightened that they would be beat for uh, not working. Several times they would uh, abruptly go back to work and just quickly say to me that I'm going to be in very much trouble if I don't return to work. I can't talk any longer. So uh, that started to make me um, question the adults that what are the rules for these children. I just began to seek further information about. At the same time, you were traveling to various villages and you noticed uh, what about the difference between boys and girls in the schooling system? Well, we definitely did not see young girls in the schools, especially in the beginning. There were maybe one girl out of 70 children um, in a classroom. The classrooms were very, very packed and it was definitely boys. And I, I did ask about that. I, I was wondering why it was all boys in the classroom. And I found out that if a family had three boys and one girl, they thought it would be ridiculous to send the child that was going to be learning from the mother in the home, that she needed to know how to serve the men in the family because that was what was expected of her. And uh, she had no opportunities to do something else. Well, thank you, Tammy. We'd like to hear more about these girls in Sierra Leone, West Africa, and we'll tune in next week to hear the rest of the story. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. I know that 
you are aware that this is a listener-supported program, and we can't continue to be on the air without the support of those who pray for us each week, and so we appreciate that. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet entitled No Longer Alone by Joni Erickson Tata. As you are aware that she is a quadriplegic, she had an accident earlier in her life. Throughout her life, she's had issues with loneliness. I had a chance to meet her at the NRB convention and had a wonderful conversation with her. This booklet is a great blessing because it sort of describes uh, loneliness in several different forms, but it also has the answers of how you can overcome loneliness and how you can start looking out and and get involved in uh, the lives of people around you. It's a very practical book and I highly recommend it. And so we're offering this free of charge if you'll just write in to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing. 
Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning and is entitled, The Search for Answers. I know that you enjoy this message very much. Printed copies are available upon request. As a background for our discussion today, may I read a description of the person and work of Jesus Christ, written by the Apostle Paul under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul had been a student of the great Jewish scholar Gamaliel. He was a brilliant logician. He's referred to as a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Vehement in his opposition to Christianity, he had led the persecution against the early church until one day he had a personal encounter with the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus, and his life underwent a miraculous transformation. From a bitter enemy of all things Christian, he became one of the greatest ambassadors for Christ this world has ever known. You know, the miracle of Paul's spiritual rebirth and the transformation it wrought in his life is one of the irrefutable proofs of the life-transforming power of genuine Bible Christianity. If you're a critic of Christians and Christianity, it is because you've never had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. If and when you do, all your biases and critical opinions will be overwhelmed by the glory of his person and the supremacy of his divine love and wisdom and power. Paul, who had had precisely that experience, speaks of Christ in the first chapter of his letter to the Colossians as the image of the invisible God. He then writes this description of Christ and his role in the eternal plan and purpose of God. I'm reading from Colossians 1, starting at verse 16. By him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Now in his statement, Paul aptly um, summarizes the actions that God has taken to make possible a solution to the problem of man's alienation from God and the terrible consequences that alienation has brought on the entire human race. He speaks of an end to a conflict, of God having made peace through the blood Christ shed on the cross when he died as our substitute sin-bearer in our stead. He speaks of reconciliation, 
He says it is God's intention to reconcile all things unto himself through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now this involves you, whether you realize it or not. Your sins were included in the totality of sin that Christ bore in his sinless body when he died in your place on the cross, that eternal peace and fellowship might be restored between you and God. You are one of those for whom God sent his Son to die, that through him he might reconcile all things, including you, unto himself. I hope our recent discussions have helped you get an overall picture of what has happened in the past and its bearing on your life today and throughout eternity to come. Remember the Bible is the God-given record of what has taken place that has brought the human race to where we are today. It is also the record of what God has done to enable us in this entire world to experience and enjoy a future beyond anything we can ask or even think. It gives us a background knowledge of the self-existent triune God who had no beginning and will have no end. The angelic spirit beings, one of whom called Lucifer, son of the morning, first introduced sin into the universe by seeking to usurp the throne and authority of his creator. He and the angels who followed him in his insurrection were cast out of God's presence, and he became known as Satan or the devil, and his followers as devils or demons. It describes the origin of mankind, whose first parents God created in his own image and breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. It was they who first introduced sin into the human race when they succumbed to the temptation of Satan and exercised their freedom of choice that God had given them to go contrary to the expressed will of their divine creator. Their willful act of disobedience alienated them and their descendants from God and the perfect life God intended man to enjoy. Their very natures became sin-infected, and henceforth they and their descendants would by nature incline to that which is evil rather than to that which is right and good. That is why man's self-alienation from God is the root cause of all our human problems. It is what has gone wrong with the human race that has resulted in the worldwide state of trouble and violence an immorality, an evil which now abounds on every side, not only mankind, but the entire earth on which we live has been scarred and corrupted by the consequences of that alienation, just as the original earth was plunged into a state of chaos by reason of the insurrection against God instigated by Lucifer and his followers from among the angelic hosts long before the advent of man. You see, friends, sin is a terrible reality, and its consequences are devastating, whether it be sin instituted by angels or by human beings. It is equally true that neither fallen angels or fallen human beings are capable of recovering themselves from the devastating consequences of sin on themselves and on the earth nor are the consequences confined to this present life. The scriptures clearly state that 
sin's consequences carry over into eternity. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that the judgment. The Bible further says that the wages of sin is both physical and spiritual death. Now, eternal spiritual death does not mean the termination of conscience existence. The soul lives on forever after the physical body dies. The Bible describes spiritual death as eternal separation from God in a destiny called hell where the souls of men continue forever in conscious misery and remorse. When we grasp the enormity as well as the reality of the eternal consequences of our alienation from God by sin, it becomes clear why Christianity and the Christian gospel are the most important of all the many issues in life which demand our attention. The good news of the gospel of Christ is that God continues to love us in spite of our sinfulness and the way we've acted toward Him. Because of that love, God sacrificed His only begotten Son to make possible our reconciliation and forgiveness and restoration to eternal fellowship with Him. God so loved the world, the Scriptures say, that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. It pleased God the Father, we read a few moments ago, that in Him, that is, in His Son Jesus Christ, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. That is why when you contemplate the tragic state in which the world and the human race finds itself today, and you ask what has gone wrong, God offers not only an explanation, but a solution. The explanation is the sordid story of how man chose deliberately to alienate himself from God and the terrible consequences of that alienation. The solution is the provision God has made for our redemption through the incarnation and death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. It is absolutely vital to your own best interests that you understand the nature of that redemption and how you can become a participant. Your eternal destiny depends on your understanding the provision God has made for you and your personal response to what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. The thing that keeps you alienated from God and the life He desires you to enjoy is sin, sin in your nature, sin in your thoughts and words and deeds. Because God is altogether holy and altogether just, there is an inescapable penalty here and in the world to come for each and every sin you have ever committed. What Christ did when He died on the cross was become your substitute sin-bearer. He died to pay your penalty in full that you might be freed from all condemnation and become a partaker of the forgiveness and love of God for all eternity. The process of divine redemption involves five stages. The first is enlightenment. That is when you learn from the Scriptures that these things are true. 
The second is conviction that comes when the Holy Spirit of God brings home to you your guilt before God and your need of His forgiveness. Now this is a critical stage because of the freedom of choice which God has endowed you. You can say yes to Jesus Christ's offer to be your Savior, or you can say no. If you say no, you leave yourself without hope and without God in the world, with only eternal judgment and condemnation to look forward to throughout eternity. On the other hand, if you say yes and open your heart and life to Christ, you will experience the third phase which the Bible calls regeneration. That is a literal spiritual new birth. You remember how Christ said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. You see, the spiritual new birth is the starting point of all real spiritual life. Then follows the fourth phase, which is the process of spiritual growth and development. As you feed on first the milk of the Word of God and later the bread of life and the strong meat of the Word, your spiritual growth from a babe in Christ to a strong, mature Christian will be enhanced by Bible study and prayer and by fellowship with other Christians and by an active involvement in a life of Christian service. The fifth and final phase will occur at your resurrection or at Christ's appearing for His church if He comes while you're still living. What will then take place is the transformation of your mortal body into a glorified resurrection body like unto that of Christ Himself. And you will then be freed forever from your old nature of sin, which is an integral part of your mortal body. Oh, my friend, marvelous is the provision God has made for your redemption and reconciliation with Himself. Great is your need of His forgiveness and of the spiritual new birth through which you acquire a new nature that delights in God and righteousness just as your old natural nature inclines to sin and to evil. By the wrong exercise of his freedom of choice, man brought the curse of sin on himself and on the world. By the right exercise of your freedom of choice, you can experience God's forgiveness and a spiritual new birth. The evidence that you have made the right decision is when you invite Jesus Christ into your heart and life to be your personal Savior and divine Lord. I trust that the message you just heard will bring you closer to God and will meet needs in your life. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we do have a great concern that people grow in their relationship to Christ. The gospel is simple. The fact is that God did all the work. And so we have to humble ourselves and realize that we're sinners for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We need to acknowledge the fact that we are separated from God that, and we need to have a savior. And the only savior in the whole world is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the Bible says, but as many as receive him, unto them gave he the right to become the children of God. You have to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You need to confess your sin. And the Bible tells us that those who are in Christ are changed. They're new creations. And so your spiritual life begins with the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Don't forget to order your copy of No Longer Alone by Joni Erickson Tata. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also get past broadcasts on our web at www.missiongo.org. That's M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. And please remember us in your prayers. Thank you so much for listening to this broadcast, and may the good Lord bless you throughout this next week.